You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Alrighty, welcome to episode 100 of Push the Point, presented by Mash Those Buttons, your source for Overwatch League updates, player storylines, and everything you need for Overwatch League Season 4. I am your host, Ramses. I am stoked to be here. Follow us on Twitter at PushPointPOD. Join us in the Mash Those Buttons Discord at discord.me slash mashthosebuttons. And I am joined, of course, by my partner in crime for all 100 of these awesome episodes. Labosco, how are you today, dude? Yeah, one of us has perfect attendance for Push the Point. The other one of us, one of us does. does not. <laughs> I'm the one with the perfect attendance. Uh, no. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm glad to, to be here, though. It's crazy to think that we're 100 episodes in. Uh, obviously, we don't do an episode every single week, but this is what, like two and a half, a little over two and a half years, I guess, of us doing the podcast that mm. equates to. It's wild to think that we we've uh, we've come this far. So it's it it doesn't feel like that long, but at the same time, it does. It's a little weird, right? And I think we would have gotten here a couple of months earlier if we weren't doing uh, weekly. Ep- excuse me, if we weren't doing monthly episodes. But it still feels like a pretty big milestone for us. It's one of those things where you just don't ever expect to actually get to a hundred episodes. But I think over the course of these past two and a half years, it's been a great time. It has. It, we're only like 850 episodes away from One Piece, too. So, like, you know, we, we can make it there one day. <laughs> oh, Who knows? Let's think about that. 850. Okay. Let's say on. on let's say we're doing weekly here. Let's say we do weekly. That is going to be 16 years of podcast. We can do it, man. We can do it. <laughs> if uh, the Overwatch League is still around in 16 years, I I'll say be, let's go for it. I'll be very happy if it is. I, I, I'm not saying we'll get that far, but it would be funny as... I'll hack if if we get to a thousand or or nine hundred or anything. If we get to five hundred, I'll be impressed. Let's just be real. Mm. You know who knows what's going to happen in the future, but it, it's so much fun to get to do this. And the start of this twenty twenty one season, Ramses, has been a pretty fun start too. Most definitely. And before we get into the stories, really quick, we want to give a big shout out and a big warm hug. This is that's weird to say, but I want I want to give a shout out to um. Blaze and Bob and Mel from the Overwatch League recap or how recap. I like doing both, but we are, we had the wonderful opportunity to go back on their show for uh, this this last week, just to talk a little bit of Overwatch League, check in with them. There's some dear friends of ours. Yeah. We talk about it all the time, but uh, Bob is directly responsible for helping start this podcast. And we, he's been a great mentor and a great friend for the past couple of years. Um, and I know that he's doing some awesome stuff on wow reloaded, which is another sister, a sister podcast of ours. And it was just great to hang out with those guys. And if you're here from Overwatch league recap, welcome. And we're happy to have you guys. Thank you so much for checking our show out. Yeah. And if you, if you haven't checked the last episode of owl recap, even if you've never watched owl recap, watch it because the Bob and Mel are two people who have been sort of entrenched in the overwatch scene since the beginning of Overwatch League, they, they've done some cool interviews. They've done a lot of cool stuff with their show, and they they were a staple of the Overwatch League for a lot of people. So we're glad if you are with us, like Ramsey said, and, you know, I, I would check out their send out. It's a it's a nice little send off for their show. That was uh, a, a very, uh, very important show, I think, in the landscape of Overwatch podcasts, for sure. 
So if you would like to hear the, I don't know what kind of adjectives I want to say for Bob's voice because it gets a little <laughs> bit creepy at some point. Well, we're going to hear it anyways here. Like Bob ain't done. So for sure, Bob actually is coming in with our first story of the week, uh, taking a little bit of a spotlight at the Chengdu Hunters. The Hunters are off to an incredible start in Season 4, as they currently lead the APAC division with a 3-1 record. 2021 has seen Chengdu grow out of the unorthodox compositions and high-risk, high-reward play style that they were known for. Instead, this year's Chengdu Hunters are playing at an incredibly high level, marked by strong, fluid team play and exceptional individual performances. Jinmu looks better than ever on his signature hero, Farah, while Leave is quietly evolving into one of the league's most flexible and dangerous DPS players. Rookie hitscan player Jimmy has delivered great performances so far, while rookie main tank Gaga is quickly learning recognition and praise from around the league as one of the most impactful rookies of the 2021 class. The Hunter's growth was put on full display this weekend during a dominant 3-0 win over a newly debuting NYXL squad. Fans weren't quite sure what to make of Season 4 New York. While the new roster is full of rookie talent, rumors of strong scrim performances have led some to consider the NYXL as a potential dark horse for tournament play. At the beginning of the match, the rumors seemed plausible. New York held tough during control, managing to battle Chengdu to nearly 99 capture percentage on both maps of Nepal. However, map 2 and on went significantly worse for New York. Jinmu's Farah absolutely dominated New York on Dorado, eliminating both healers and DPS with pinpoint accuracy. Flora's play on McCree did nothing to prevent him from taking out Jonak on Friday ahead of a team push. When added with Gaga's incredible Winston play, New York barely could keep six players alive at the same time. New York failed to contest or pressure leave on Widowmaker, which left him free to pick off anybody in his sights. The Excelsior were full held on point one of Dorado and on point one of Anubis. Across all three maps, Chengdu was so dominant that New York failed to win even a single point. This new run of dominance has come as a shock to most of the OWL community. While many fans are excited to see the plucky underdogs become dominant contenders, others wonder how the team will fare against stronger competition. Sunday's match versus the Philadelphia Fusion saw the Hunters suffer their first loss. The two squads battled back and forth during control before the Fusion took over the series. Even though the Hunters had performed exceptionally well in their prior three games, Carpe and company were able to effectively shut them down. Philly took home the 3-1 win, which leaves Chengdu at a still respectable 3-1 record. Having lost a game, fans of the league are eager to see where Chengdu Hunters go from here. Will they keep up their dominance over the APAC division, or will they return to the mid-table? Okay, so Chengdu... In the past two weeks, we talked a little bit about them. Chengdu is coming out of the gate hot this year. Um, this is not a surprise to Labosco specifically, as someone who is very has been very excited about a lot of these players for a while. But for those who aren't as informed, like Chengdu looks great right now. Jinmu looks awesome on the Farah. 
Leave looks great on pretty much everything. Jimmy's coming in with some great hit scan play. Gaga is... People meme about a rookie of the year already, but I think Gaga is certainly one of the more notable rookies of the class so far. Elsa looks great now that he can play with a more consistent main tank. And your support duo, I mean, Monk out of nowhere has turned into a really great flex support. And Nisha has picked up the mantle from Eveltal as like, Chengdu players are just so good at Mercy. Or just maybe it's their scouting department. Chengdu scouts Mercy so well. Yeah, I think that they just have found some compositions that work really well for them as a team. We got to see in these games. I mean, you kind of heard Bob talk about how that game went against NYXL and how Jinmu especially was a huge part of it. But he's being enabled by the Mercy play. And I think I think Chengdu's really the only team that's actually playing a Mercy all that much, not just in 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 the Eastern side, but on the Western side too, like you, you rarely see mercy get played right now. She's considered not meta. So they are, they're using a non meta pick to great effect with the Farah in the sky to really, I mean, Jimmu has dominated teams at points yeah. so far this year. And you look at that match. So New York, it, as we said, New York and Chengdu go kind of blow for blow in uh, the first in control, in control map, excuse me. Uh, they both get into the nineties with percentages. It's pretty tight. Um, but once you got on a Dorado, like it was over. Jinmu was taking out Jonak and Friday before they could even get him with the rest of the team. And same thing on uh, map number three with Anubis. Like it was just over so quickly. I've been wondering though, we'll talk about what happens next for Chengdu, but like, I think for New York, it's, I don't know if it's like a sobering of expectations, I think a lot of people were very high on this art. Well, still are very high on this roster and expect to see them do a lot of really great things, but it's not as bombastic of a, of a debut as you would like if you're the New York Excelsior. Well, Chengdu stole the show is part of why that happens. But also I think people were maybe not ready for what the DPS of Chengdu were going to be able to do. I also think Gaga has come onto the scene and really surprised people too, especially they have been relying on mainly him playing wrecking ball, but he's been able to play some of the other main tanks to, to great effect too. When he, when he's had the opportunity, but particularly his wrecking ball, it, you, you might be able to say even right now that he's the best wrecking ball in the overwatch league. I don't know who would even contend with him at this point. I don't think we've seen enough to even put like a worthy second person in there. He he's been that good though. Um, the you know we're talking a lot about that New York game, but Chengdu did stumble a little bit, and we'll get into that mm-hmm. a little bit later. But I mean, as far as what we've seen from Chengdu, this is awesome because this is a team that nobody, not a lot of people thought were going to be that great. I mean, you think about when we were talking about it leading into the season, we weren't sure what we were going to get. Mm-hmm. I had high expectations for some of these players, but were they going to be able to put it all together? The fun, the fun and nice thing is, is it seems like that's the case. So they're going to be a team we talk about a lot throughout this season and looking at that first game against New York this week. I mean, they definitely, like you said, this, the, the last two maps, New York did, it, New York might as well have not played. They didn't get a, they, New York did not win a single point that entire game. And I wonder, part of it too, is that we saw once they got, went against Philadelphia, they got, I wouldn't say 100% shut down, but Philadelphia knew how to deal with them. I think 
Um, friend of the show, LaFawn, had a tweet where it's like, all right, we all know Jim is really good at Farrah. Farrah's bad. Get off of Farrah. Like, it seemed once you had somebody who was confident being able to go up against Jinmu, Jinmu was starting to get dealt with pretty effectively. Uh, Carpe also just had a hell of a game for Philadelphia. There's several maps where he just decides, you know what? I'm going to kill everybody. And he just goes off and destroys everyone. And then looking as well, like Toby's having... I don't like career renaissance isn't a good term because he's he was in the championship great. game last year. He, no, he's been great consistently, but I like it just feels like man, like Toby unfortunately is one of those car- one of those guys where you're like we often a lot of people often forget how good Toby is just because he's consistently a, with such big other players and he just can he is always making great plays. So I think Philadelphia f- I don't want to say fine like shows out Chengdu a little bit. I really like it seemed like Chengdu also kind of got stuck on maybe some compositions they may not have liked or maybe weren't as optimal. But I think the big question is where does Chengdu go from here? Do we think they're still like a strong up table team or do they maybe kind of sink back down to the mid card? No, I think they're still a top team. I think that you you ran into like the worst possible type of team to run into as far as like the foil to what Chengdu does because you have a incredibly talented hit scan player who can deal with Jinmu in the air. Uh, I I think that when Chengdu had a problem where they were too afraid to go away from that one composition, that was, you know, kind of their best one. And I don't understand why, because they looked fine when they, when they weren't just playing with that, the Farah. So I, I, I think it's more of a, a willingness to flex off of things from Chengdu that I want to see personally, because when we saw Jimmy in there, Jimmy did pretty well. Yeah, I, I do think though too. Carpe was uh, really the biggest difference in this game because uh, whether it was Leave or Jimmy that he was contending with, Leave did pretty well against Carpe, but J- Jimmy also had his moments. But Carpe was more often than not the player winning those matchups. Leave is kind of turned not turned into, but I think he's. He has a supporting cast now to really be that star DPS that we expected for him to be when he first got into the league coming off of World Cup. It seems like these first four games, he has just been putting on a clinic like with with the hero plays he's making. Him, I, I think Alarm needs to get a lot of credit too because we have seen Alarm play incredibly well with him and Toby. They've t- teamed up and made as good of a pair pretty much as what you get when you have funny Astro and Alarm. I think that Mm. is very impressive that Alarm working with a player that he's frankly never played with is able to still play. I I think the IBM Watson rankings had him number three overall. And like the only two guys above him were like Chengdu supports who at that point were just kind of just smashing everybody. So it was like, yeah, you don't have as much statistics for, for Philadelphia at that point. They played a little bit harder of a schedule maybe too. And Alarm was was number three. So Alarm needs to get a lot of credit. And then Hotba actually saved uh, Philadelphia a couple of times. There was like a huge self-destruct play that he got that makes a difference for them in winning that. Rascal also playing incredibly well. Like the players that they've picked up for Philadelphia, it's almost going to be hard to change things up too much when you do get your, your Western players in with this team because the roster is playing so well together right now for a team that hasn't had as much time as other teams to gel. 
Most definitely. I mean, one more thing about Chengdu as we move forward. Looking at the IBM Watson rankings, like you were saying, it is interesting to see so many Chengdu players on here. I mean, Jinmu is number one, Gaga is number two, Elsa is number five, Leave at eight, Nisha at 11. And I do wonder, it's so because it's not like Chengdu has faced like the weakest schedule necessarily. They've played the other top two teams in APAC in Philadelphia and arguably Shanghai. So I'm interested to see if. I don't know, give it one more week. Maybe this reshapes a little bit just for, for Gaga. I totally understand. I think Jinmu has just had such a presence on Farah recently, but I wonder going into next week, if they're going to still be at the top of that ranking, it'll be, I'll, I'll be curious to see it too. It's one of those things that kind of needs to change. Uh, I, I don't think the rankings come out for another couple days, so I don't think they adjust for this week just yet. But the fact that you have, I mean, Jinmu and Gaga at the top doesn't, that's not a shock, right? Like Mm -hmm. Jinmu had been playing and that dominant on the fair, like he was not being dealt with. So if you allow him to just do whatever he wants on Farah, he's going to blow you up. And same thing with Gaga. And they've kind of worked really well together in tandem. You know, that, that also sort of lends itself to each other. Like the fact that there are so many players overall in the top for Chengdu after those, that first week not a surprise. It's going to change a little bit here because alarm is probably going to go higher. You're going to see some of those players from Philly sneak in here and we're going to have some other Western players maybe raise up in the rankings too. So as far as like Chengdu, like, yeah, maybe there'll be a little bit of normalizing, but I still think they're a team that that is competing with players that are going to frankly, probably be in the role star discussion at the end of the year. And maybe a couple of these guys end up either in the rookie of the year conversation for somebody like Gaga or even MVP discussion. Well, we're going to head over to the Western Division for our second highlight story of this episode. Uh, going, We're going to go in with a little bit of coverage on the Dallas Fuel versus Washington Justice match. After the 2020 Overwatch League season ended, one of the biggest questions fans and analysts had about the Washington Justice was whether or not their end-of-season playoff performance was something they could build on, or if their lower bracket run was just a fluke. After their Season 4 debut, it's looking like the off-season moves are paying off. Rookies Assassin and Mag both had impressive performances in Justice's opening game against the Dallas Fuel. The rest of the Justice team looked to be on top form as well. Fury continues to be one of the best off-tanks in the league and so far has complimented Mag well to solidify a stout tank line. Decay is still an amazing DPS player and now is part of a DPS core that has plenty of talent and flexibility with Assassin and Jerry. The biggest question many had about the Justice lineup was the revamped support duo of Closer and Bebe. Both players were looking for new life after leaving their old teams in the Fuel and Spark, respectively, with neither player being impressive in either situation. So far, both support players have looked solid on their new team. The Justice's first opponent in Dallas Fuel have not had an easy start to their season, but have pushed through a difficult early schedule. Throughout their first four games, the Fuel have not been an easy out for any team and currently stand with a 2-2 record. 
difficult team to match up to or not, the Justice would still come out on top, winning the game 3-1 in their season opener. Ilios Lighthouse would be the opening map. The Justice's new additions in Assassin and Fury would be major difference makers in this first point. Assassin edged out Sparkle at a key 1v1 tracer fight, and Fury hit a huge Graviton Surge that negated Doha's duplicate on Echo, and eliminated Fearless from the fight after the Fuel's initial control of the point. The Fuel would regain control after the Justice hit 99%, but the difference maker would be Assassin on the tracer once again, this time landing a Pulse Bomb on Repel, cutting off a majority of the healing for the fuel and giving the Justice the first point on Lighthouse. On Ruins, the Justice came out and dominated with their Reaper-centric comp that the fuel had trouble cracking until it was almost too late. The Justice would again get to 99% before relinquishing control, but Jerry on the Reaper would prove to be too much for the fuel as they fell short, losing control and the map at 95% due to Fury fighting an opening kill on Fearless and a well-placed Death Blossom by Jerry. Map 2 brought the teams to Watchpoint Gibraltar, a map where the fuel's lack of hitscan DPS player wouldn't be as detrimental and the extra verticality of the map would allow Fearless to show his ability on his most well-known hero, Winston. The fuel would put forward an impressive attack, finishing the map with 3 minutes and 7 seconds to spare. They would limit the Justice to one minute on their push, which set up for a strong early second point hold on the second round of attacks. The Justice would put up a difficult defense for the Fuel's second attack, but the boys in blue were still able to eke out the map and even the series one to one. Hanamura would be the turning point for the Washington Justice. The Justice first point defense to start the map would be abysmal. The Fuel were able to accrue a massive time bank to attack the second point, but the Justice defense would hold strong there and only allow a cap percentage of 77.7%. This proved enough for the Justice offense, which would hold out and win the map, putting the Justice ahead 2-1 and at match point. Eichenwald would be the end bout for the Justice and the Fuel. This was a back-and-forth affair that saw both teams finish the map, but only Washington finished with time on the clock. The Justice were able to seal their victory by narrowly defeating Dallas Fuel by capturing one point on their second attack. A valiant effort from the Fuel's defense made it close, but the two-minute time bank proved to be enough for Washington. While the scoreline was a 3-1 victory for the Washington Justice, the game tells a much closer tale. One thing is for sure, we will be keeping a close eye on both of these teams as the season progresses. Okay, so this match I think was one of our highlight ones from last week we were looking forward to seeing. And Justice, I think, with their first game just came out crazy hot. Um a little bit more of a mix-up than I... I had expected, of course, we were going to see Decay every single map. He's Decay. And Jerry's gotten a fair amount of playtime over here. In fact, they've been rotating him and Assassin in... I mean, Assassin's been in pretty much every map so far. But... Not quite every map, I don't think. But a lot of them, yeah. 
there's been one or two where it's been Jerry Decay, but so far Washington looks really, really good. Mag looks awesome on the Winston. We've mostly seen him on Winston so far. Fury is Fury and is still just a beast. Uh, and Assassin has looked great. Decay has looked great. Jerry's looked pretty good. I think the big thing that we're seeing out of Washington that's cool is that Baby and Closer look really good so far. The whole team as a cohesive unit has looked very good. They've played some creative compositions, too, that we've seen both days. And and that's been really cool as well, because that that just makes things a little bit more difficult for teams. But also it, it gives a little bit of a variety to what you're seeing. But also it adds something else. Another element as far as like, what should we be looking out for? What 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 are we going to see teams start to copycat from each other in live games? And and that was really cool. We we Dallas, I think, is a good like first barometer game for them as well, because I think Dallas, even though that they've gone even their first two weeks, two and two, I think that they are a team that you have to be careful and and nobody's going to want to play them when we get into playoffs. So a, a very good first test for them. And they passed it pretty well. It wasn't an easy series for them, but darn, did they look really, really good at times? Mm hmm. I think the big like the big thing I saw people taking away from this match was that the fearless versus mag Winston battle. That was, was awesome. It was really Both those good. guys fearless. I think and you've said it every time we bring him up, but still the man is the best Winston in the world. I would argue mag mag gave him a pretty solid run like Washington wins this matchup, of course, three one, but going back and forth, like they were picking people off. They were fighting. They were taking space. It's one of those times we're watching it. I was watching like fearless play. I'm like, Oh, so that's what he means by like just taking space and moving forward. I am way like, I am way thinking about this the wrong way. And then both rosters play really, really well. I think you got to give credit to sparkle. Sparkle has still hung tough. Uh, I don't think he wins every six. If you put him like 10 out of 10 against decay, I think he takes one or two of those. It's not like a solid, domination over sparkle he's I, doing pretty well i give him more credit than winning two out of ten though like sparkle, three or four sparkle has held his own against some of the best tracers in the world and some of the best players but he's also playing where he doesn't have a hit scan player next to him i think the bigger problem here for dallas is you see the difference between having somebody like jerry on your team and then not having somebody like jerry on your team they want yeah. th there are certain compositions with the mccree especially where you just can't compete on certain maps with Washington if you're if you're Dallas. It, it's mm. super difficult to do. And not only that for Dallas, you also have the problem of dealing with the fact that you have guys maybe playing off roll a little bit and you have Sparkle growing into this Tracer role and he's doing fine. He's competing. I mean, you think about the Tracers that he's seen in his first four games that he's Decay, played. Strike. No. Not not strike, excuse me. Decay, Kevster, Assassin, Bird Ring. Mm -hmm. You just you, the the list right there. When you look at all of the teams that he played, Dante. You you forgot to. How do you forget to mention Dante? I thought I said Dante. No, you didn't say Dante. I don't think you did. I didn't hear you say Dante. If you did, at any rate, though, like I think, do we think Washington is a top team so far? Yes, I, I do. I, I think that they're, I think you have to put them above everybody other than maybe Houston and, and San Francisco until they prove that they can beat San Francisco. Mm -hmm. 
um, because gladiators have not been as impressive as people thought they were going to be. Um, Florida has had the unfortunate thing that Florida just seems to always have happen where they don't play anybody at the beginning of the year. So you, you can't really put Florida above those teams just yet. Right. So mm. I think you do have Florida maybe above the gladiators, though. Um, do you have them above Dallas? That's a tougher question, right? Like yeah. that that's the question that you're asking yourself as far as ranking ranking these teams now. So Houston is still is the team to beat though. 4-0 on the week. Like that that's the team that everybody should be vying for at least for the moment. Obviously still San Francisco. They they had this week off, which may be the best time for the best team in the league to get a week off where you mm-hmm. lose a game and not that it's demoralizing, but it's like, "Oh man, you've now seen the cream of the crop probably. How can you deal like how do you how do you adjust from that? That's that's the scary thing. I don't like giving San Francisco any more time than they need if I'm another team. So, but yeah. but back to Washington, this is a this is a great like sure you drop a map to Vancouver, but Vancouver's taken some maps off of some good teams. So that I don't I, I don't fault them for as much. But I think that the the biggest questions you had you're starting to feel a little bit better about now. Baby and closer, I'm still concerned about more than anything. But their DPS and their tank lines have been able to cover for things so well. We haven't mentioned Fury enough before we move Mm -hmm. on from this, because Fury, I think, is also one of the big difference makers, because between him and Hanbin, to me, it was Fury who was the more noticeable off tank in that game against Dallas. I, I thought Fury was a difference maker a lot of the times. Hanbin had his moments, but Fury, it was just a little bit easier to notice him in the games. For sure. Fury, Fury's looked great so far. I think Washington, Washington, excuse me, will be a really exciting team to watch going forward. I do. I still think they're probably one of the higher seeds coming into this, coming into the main melee, but we'll have to see what happens with next week's action before we go over um, this week's games really quick. There was some sort of issue that happened during the Hangzhou spark versus Philadelphia fusion game. We're covering this a little bit early, but I just popped it into my head. Um, there was some, so apparently the Sparks manager went on what Weibo uh, concerning the match. Weibo, of course, is the Jap- is the um, the APAC equivalent to Twitter. Um, China's something- equivalent to Twitter. China. So pretty much what happened was that Sparks Airnet went down in the beginning. Um, they have had it went down at the beginning of the match. Um, so and it was they there were some issues with apparently Takoyaki is playing from Korea. So he so when he was trying to play with the rest of his team, he was up at 200 ping. Um, and of course, playing at 200 ping is really hard, especially in a pro environment. Um, the league gave them time to try and fix it. Um, and then when they when the players tried to act like when the players tried to communicate with them to see if how how things were going, how it could be fixed, there was some sort of translation error that happened, which caused players to think that the league was pressuring them to start the match again. So, but um, the Sparks manager has gone on record saying like the league didn't give any sort of like the league wasn't trying to restrict their pause time or force players back into the match. They've tested a VPN line uh, for Takayaki that worked multiple times before the game, but didn't work even. And then he's still a little bit down on the team. Even if we didn't have the internet problem, I think we still probably lose. I don't take internet as the main reason for losing. It is obvious that we as a team are facing problems in our gameplay. We will try our best to solve them as soon as possible. We won't put the problems away and joke around with our fans, which like. Ugh. So 
they he pretty much says this is a them problem that kind of got misconstrued and then you have people in the community being like oh my gosh blizzard's so unfair but i mean it still sucks that a translation problem has i mean sure probably right it maybe doesn't make that big of a difference but at the same time it should be an even even playing field so mm. the fact that there's any sort of translation issue between the league and teams is is, is still a a black eye for the league that's something that shouldn't be happening like how how do you not have like somebody available to to be a translator to make sure that things between the league and a team. It was the Sparks translator game, from what I was told. It, it was a what? It was the Sparks translator who messed it up, apparently. I mean, but you don't have what I'm saying is, is like the league should have a translator, too, though. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like you shouldn't be you should, especially when it comes to different languages, you should never be relying on just one side having a translator. Like that's that's never a good way to go about it, because there are always things that get mistranslated even when you do have a translator. So if you have two, it's a lot less likely to happen. So I'm a little disappointed in the league in that sort of respects, but at the same time, it probably doesn't make a difference. I mean, the spark was still able to get a map off of Philadelphia. So I I, I think the bigger question or not the bigger question, but the bigger thing that I want to see about the spark is them. Like they got to figure things out. I think they're too talented for the showing that they gave us against the Philadelphia fusion. And the New York Excelsior, for that matter. Like, I think they're a team that uh, there's bigger expectations for them than what they showed here in week one. Most definitely. I think it's time to get into this week's games. Lots of, oops, sorry. Lots of action happening in North America. Well, I say, well, yeah, lots of action happening in the Western Division. Paris Eternal finally making their debut against the Vancouver Titans. Uh this game was a little bit rough to watch in certain spots. Uh, I think people started calling it. We had the toilet bowl last year. People started calling it the bread bowl this year because Vancouver Titans has that whole thing with uh, the, the, the breadsticks promotion. And I don't know, man. So Paris, win this game three, one, it doesn't look good. If I could say that, um, lots of weird alt timings, there's this point on control, I think, for Vancouver. Was it? It's on Watchpoint Gibraltar, um, where Shredlock is primaling Oni God, um, and Oni God pops High Noon. No, he's primaling Oni God. He gets him down to one health, and then he leaves because he thought he killed him. And then, meanwhile, Oni God turns around High Noons and kills two people. Like it was people. I, people were memeing on the series a lot, but. It's still like it was it was a lot to watch. Yeah, it was definitely a harder series to watch for sure. I, I think that the the result is a little expected. Um, Vancouver is having a rough go so far this year, which a lot of people thought might be the case. And Paris, I mean, they beat them. That's good. But that, mm. that what they did was kind of expected, too. Yeah. So it's one of those series where it's like, okay, what is Paris Eternal going to do after this? And then we kind of get our answer a little bit later. But there there were moments where Shredlock looked pretty good to me for Vancouver in, in both of the games that they've played this week. Um, there there was a couple players that looked good on either team. But sometimes, like I thought, Oni God played a pretty good series. It, it's listen, 
both of these teams are, are going to have a rough year. That that's just yeah. the, the situation we're in. And you somebody has to win this game. <laughs> this time it was Paris. So if they play again, who knows if that's going to be the same result? That's for sure. But I think Paris is maybe a little bit uh, separated from that, like kind of bottom pack. But I don't know if they're going to be able to compete with teams like Dallas, who are you know maybe not quite at the top, but are close to it. Con looks pretty good, I will say, on the flex support. Con looks all right. Oni God has a couple moments. Uh, I think the big, the other thing to mention was that Tasuna looks pretty good on the tracer map that he comes in for. Tasuna comes in on Tasuna, excuse me. Suna comes in and Gibraltar looks pretty good. Um, Teru comes in to play the May a couple times uh, in the rush comp for Vancouver. I, yeah, I think I was having a conversation with a friend of ours earlier. Like, I feel bad because I want, like, especially for Linkser on Vancouver, I want Linkser to have a good time and I want him to win, but I just don't see it happening with this team so far. I think this roster, there's just not enough there. No. Uh, I just don't think that Vancouver has enough that where they're going to have themselves a good season. I think it's going to be a bit of a rough one for them, but that's that's just sort of the situation with how they've built their team. Like they're relying on talent that people uh, maybe think that that there was some opportunities that you know they've played good when they were in contenders, but we're seeing that maybe some of these guys aren't going to pan out, and it's still early. That can change, right? Like like this is a roster. That if you think about the core of it, really didn't get a chance to show anything last year. So I want to give them more time on Vancouver to sort of develop as a team together before I finally put the nail in the coffin on them. But the the early results are showing that it's going to be pretty rough. Going on, the LA Gladiators 3-0 over the London Spitfire. London, I, I think this is more of just LA locking in and be like, no, we are, we need to win these two games. We need to keep some air in the balloon. Um, they won both their matches this week, 3-0. Um, it's kind of the LA Gladiators result you would expect, where they look good against almost everybody, and then they kind of fall to more of the elite teams. Uh, Birdering's playing a lot more now, which I think is has always been the right call. Yeah. Uh, London look okay. Uh, not great, but the Gladiators, we expect to be one of the best teams in the league, so I don't, I don't think it's that much of a surprise. I, I wasn't impressed, really. I was actually disappointed by London. I thought that they, you know, people were very high on a lot of these guys. I was a little bit high on some of these guys uh, because of my time watching them play in trials and, and broadcasting games that they were part of. And I thought they did not have a very good first week. Um, I don't know if it's because of. Um, I was a little surprised, too, with kind of how they ended up playing the roster. But I, I definitely did not think that this was a great showing for some of these players. And maybe it's just first week jitters, too. So mm-hmm. I, I want to give this this is another roster where where maybe we we hold off being a little too harsh on them during the first couple of weeks. But they had an extra week compared to other teams. So the yeah. fact that they come out flat this first week is is a really big disappointment and has me thinking that they might be the bottom team. Chengdu Hunters 3-0 over New York, like we talked about. Philadelphia Fusion 3-1 over the Hangzhou Spark. They look great. Uh, I think the big issue people are complaining about with Hangzhou, who lost both their games, is that it seems like they're running primarily all of their Korean players so far. From what I remember. And Gushui. But even then, there's some weird stuff. Like, I think the big complaint was that they take... 
take out Gushway for Washpoint Gibraltar, which is like the Winston map, and Gushway's hero is Winston. Like, I think that was a little bit weird. I've already seen people start to do the things like, oh, well, like this player is better than this player. This player is better than this player. You need to start these players. And like, when you look at like Liga, who is like their off tank, who's trying a Chinese off tank is really, really good. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting were bummed he didn't go to Chengdu because he was one of like he was the big uh, off tank signing for them. Shy got to go in a little bit. Um, I think people were still bummed that people are still bummed that Coldest isn't starting, but MCD has looked really good so far. Eh, MCD's looked okay. I, I I haven't been super impressed by MCD. Like I've thought MCD has played fine. So it is a little disappointing that we still haven't seen coldest. I just don't understand. I don't understand some of their choices for why they do some of the things they do. Like architect gods be and so Minsu. Like I want to f- know what the, the reasoning for some of their rotations with some of this stuff. Um, Shy looked okay when he got in there a little rough of a first game to go against one of the best players in the world who I think in that series gets 10,000 kills as well. So yeah, it, it, it's um, a it's a bit of a rough run, rough one for Shy to come into for sure. But I I, I just the the I don't see the plan for what they're doing for the spark. I think that's the bigger problem for me. Like I don't understand the the reasoning behind why why things are happening. Like why they're picking certain players to play. Uh, I want to see more So Minsu as well. I thought So Minsu was one of the brighter spots in the map that they win against. Philadelphia. So I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see like more of that because I think it was so Minsu and uh, Architect. I liked that a lot. I want to see a little bit more of so Minsu Architect or or I mean, God's being Architect was fine too. I'm not really as upset about the DPS. It's kind of the rest of it that I don't quite get. So that that's what I want to see them sort of figure out for the spark. Houston Outlaws three one over Paris Eternal. This game was fun. Um, not as a Houston fan, it wasn't very fun because I was like, I already had the feel like, man, are we gonna Houston this? Are we gonna freaking throw this game away? Um, but Houston plays pretty well. Uh Piggy and John, you just continue to get better and better, it seems like every single week. Uh, we were talking off stream. Juby, I was very impressed by Juby this weekend. Uh, so many times during this game where he comes in to solo stall the point and manages to hold it against two or three people on the eternal. I think KSF kind of a weird spot on Havana. They come, they put him in on the may to kind of, they they bring him in on the may and then he kind of gets run over a little bit, but that's the one map that Paris win. I think after that, you see Houston really just decide, okay, no, like we're going to lock down. We're going to win this game. Like we are going to make sure that like we take this whole thing. I, it it was Havana was weird because it felt like a map that they still probably should have won. You know, it feels like it, like that was the map that they Houston away, but they only did it on one map. You know, Havana is Havana, like King's row for Houston. outlaws. We're like, we just cannot have a normal game. on Havana. Maybe that's what it is, but they looked, I thought they looked pretty good after that. Like I felt like they really sort of, um, re, um, re reasserted themselves in the next two maps and looks pretty good. Like sure. You get Paris to complete the map, but Houston by far looks like the better team in on King's row. 
And then same thing with Volskaya, even though Paris gets both points, Houston still looks like the better team in both of the maps. So I, 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 I'm not too concerned. Like you're playing a team that's clearly below you. Sometimes you're going to drop down to their level a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not concerned for Houston at this point. It's more about how they're going to play in playoffs for me. Credit to Junkbuck as well. I think in previous situations, you would have seen Houston after losing that map kind of scramble a little bit and have to take some time to put it together. It seemed like they were very calm, collected, just said, hey, this is what we're doing next. Moved on. They looked good. I was very impressed with how they played that match. Less impressed by the Boston Uprising against the Gladiators. I expected Boston to at least take a map. They get shut out 3-0. Not a great showing from Boston this week, if I'm being honest. I thought that they looked better against the Gladiators than they did Dallas, though. I thought this the the Gladiators match looked a little bit better for them. Like There was some good stuff that we saw from their players in the game. Like we saw some good play from from Punk and Stand One. I thought I'm 37 and Valentine played pretty well. I I thought they looked better here. I mean, obviously they still lose all three maps, but at least it was a little bit closer. It it still wasn't very impressive, and and that's a little bit disappointing because I was a little bit higher on this roster than a lot of the other rosters that I had kind of in the middle. So Mm -hmm. I I think part of it too is Bird Ring ends up being Bird Ring for most of the game. So. You you sort of run into a buzzsaw on a team that needed to have a really good bounce back week in the Gladiators, so sort of bad timing for them as well. But Boston, I'm I'm going to hold out hope that they can be at least in the middle of the pack, even though they didn't have a good showing this week. Well, you can always call first week jitters, like you said. They went up against two of what looked to be the better teams, and then Washington Justice three one over the Dallas Fuel. We already talked about that. Really good game. Very good game. You go back and closer, watch that. Closer, closer than the three one tells. Hangzhou Spark fall one to one three to the New York Excelsior. New York kind of putting it back together. I think we saw people were complaining. I, I memed about it last week, but people were complaining like, "Oh man, like where's Guangboom? Why isn't Guangboom playing, bro? Like where's Guangboom?" And Guangboom came in for uh, this game. They looked a lot better. I think. That getting that first bad match out of your system really helps. We'll see where New York end up. Uh, and then, yeah, Hangzhou still just kind of looking a little, still looking like a little bit of a mess as far as like not really knowing what to do so far. Yeah, this was a little bit of a, um, like, yeah, New York wins, but did New York impress me in this game? Not really, but did our, mm-hmm. did, did the spark do anything to, to like make it difficult on them? It didn't feel like it. It, it was definitely a map. This is um, these are two teams that I think are trying to figure out what their identity is. That's what it felt like more than anything for this yeah. matchup. And and just New York happened to have a little bit more that they a little bit more solid ground than Hangzhou. Houston. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped a game. Chengdu Hunters fall three one to the Philadelphia Fusion. We already talked about that. Still a fun game. Um. And then yeah. Houston Outlaws. That 3-0. one's worth watching again, too, by the way, because Philadelphia yes. Fusion have a pretty impressive performance. They looked great that game. Houston Outlaws 3 0 over London Spitfire. 
uh no dante for this game apparently he had to have um he was in so we were told like an hour before the game like dante won't play for is not gonna play for medical reasons and we're like oh like I, people i started to think we're trying to triangulate like well he had his covid shot this many days ago so maybe it's after effects like oh yeah that's definitely it and then he like posted a t- uh, picture i'm like yeah like i'm in the hot like getting an emergency like getting a surgery it's cool and we're like oh uh, okay um uh, all right emergency um, surgery too which, yeah. if I had to guess, means that maybe he had like appendicitis or something. Yeah, like that was that was at least what I was guessing with with like kind of just looking at it. Uh, no clue if that's what it actually ended up being or not. I don't know if he actually ever said what happened, but it seems like he was okay. So that's the good mm-hmm. thing, right? It sucks that he's not there for that game, but they they really didn't need him, so it it, it really doesn't matter. So and this and he said had to get an emergency surgery. So that means yeah. I guess it was after he had gotten the surgery. So the surgery must have been successful. So that's good. Happy has himself a game and a half. Uh Crimzo, I think, has gone a little bit is starting to get more recognition, thankfully, but Crimzo's looked great on this outlaws team. He gets a first pick so often. And then KSF, I think, gets the play of the match, um, where he gets uh, a 4K pulse bomb. Onto London. Oh yeah, <laughs> curses on camera too. Poor guy. <laughs> um, I think people were um, saying that KSF actually stands for Kyle says the f word. <laughs> like they, this was a this is a really rough game for London. Yeah, this they well, did not look very good in this game. Well, and think about it too. You're Shaxx on London Spitfire. You're like the Western Tracer God besides Dante. And then the guy who sat on the bench behind you last year who didn't get to play Tracer comes in and kind of takes your lunch. Like he, it's rough, man, if you're London this week. He took his lunch. He 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 grabbed it from him. Like it was, it was really weird too, right? Like because like the, the, this was like a super short game because yeah. London, I think, attacks first on both Hanum or no, attacks first on Watchpoint. I don't remember if they attack. I think they attack second on Hanamura, but they only get a point. Yeah, you know, like like they don't get very far on on Watchpoint, and they got one point on Hanamura. Like it was super fast, and it was over before you like before you even knew it. Like that was like an hour long game. That was like that was super like this game, I think, was the more disappointing one for London, especially when Dante's missing like that. That's like your chance, you know, mm-hmm. that's really, really a, a rough performance to have come out from them in week one, especially after. Sure, it's still the first week, but you got that first game out of the way. You would have thought that they would have um, had a little bit better of a showing than they did. I mean, if Jake gets to come in to play DPS for two maps or no, I'm sorry. They had him play support for one map DPS for another map. You know that uh, you're kind of getting stunted on a little bit. Boston uprising fall three Oh to the Dallas fuel Dallas. I didn't get to watch that much this game from what I've seen. Boston just did not look good. This was a this really, map. this was a very good game for the fuel though. I thought the fuel, <laughs> they, 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 um, they were showing out a little bit in this game. It felt like they they felt like a team at a different level against Boston. Um, I thought they had a much better showing against Boston here than what we saw come from the Gladiators versus Boston. Like this was one that that I think hurts if you're a Boston fan because it's like okay, Dallas Fuel doesn't have a hit scan player, and they did not struggle at all 
Like we saw mm-hmm. Genji come yeah. out from Sparkle and he just dominated on defense. Like that that was the one there was the if there was like a, a silver lining, it was Havana because it's like, oh, they only get to through the first point in a little bit. Like that's a map that you think is super winnable for Boston. Not the case at all. And they, they had a Doomfist on attack for Dallas and they couldn't really get through. And then on defense, they have a Genji. Like you, you, you just when you hear the compositions, you think like, oh, this should be something that Boston can win. And Fearless, the guy who we never got to see him play Arisa for the Shanghai Dragons, plays a very good Arisa for the Dallas Fuel to win on mm-hmm. that map, too. It's a rough week, man. A rough week to be Boston. Very rough week, yeah. Last game of the week, Washington Justice 3-1 over Vancouver Titans. Uh, Washington, I think, a little bit, like, just a little sloppier in this match. Uh, Vancouver does take a map off of them. It was Temple of Anubis, though. It's like, whatever. Yeah. I think if you're Washington, you're feeling good, but you, like, it still gives you the motivation of, like, to keep tightening the screws, like, to keep locking stuff down. Well, and they do that on the next map because they fall. They fall on Vancouver. And and that 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 Blizzard world just ends immediately. So like they they made up for it pretty easily on the next map. But yeah, they mm-hmm. they they they're showing some cracks there that they you know they're going to have to work on some things. They're they're still new together for some of these players, but the same sort of players that we saw showing up the in the Dallas game were showing up here. Like everybody still looked pretty good. So I don't think you're too concerned if you're you're Washington after your first week of play. Credit where credit's due. I mean, they talked all year about like, we built this. We built this thing that people want to be a part of. We built this roster. And it granted to the opponents so far, you could make arguments against, but like they've looked pretty good. They have looked pretty solid so far. They had one good opponent and they had one uh, not so good opponent. So, it, and even then they had one good opponent who didn't have a prime, a hit scan who could deal with Jerry either. Yeah. That, that couldn't match Jerry. I think is more the important thing, right? Like to be able to play the compositions that are kind of needed on some of the maps. Looking into next week's games. It's our last set of games before we go into the May melee as such um, games are going to, so the, the schedule of games go out through Saturday and then Sunday is going to be like your tiebreaker games, it looks like. Or at least it says TBD so far. Um, those will kind of be the ones that tiebreak stuff out. I think that's uh, like play-in th- stuff. Yeah. It. Yeah. So Thursday starts with the Paris Eternal versus Atlanta Rain. And then the Washington Justice versus the Boston Uprising. Uh, Friday is LA Valiant, Guangzhou Charge, which honestly... I'm going to call it now, LaBosco. I think Valiant win this game. I don't know about that. I, I, I'm, I'm holding judgment for that. I think the charge had a very tough schedule for their start of their year. I'm not going to. I don't know about that. Uh, Soul Dynasty versus the New York Excelsior. Shanghai Dragons versus the Hangzhou Spark. Just continuing to just pummel down on the Spark. They get a super rough schedule at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um. And then Seoul versus New York is you're going to be your encore game coming back on at 9.30 a.m. Pacific time. Friday games. Ooh, oh, I'm sorry. This is laid out differently. So Thursday is actually going to be Paris versus Atlanta Rain and Washington Justice versus uh, Boston Uprising. Friday, 2 a.m. is going to be L.A. Valiant versus the Guangzhou Charge. 
And then at 3.30 a.m. is Seoul versus New York. And then at 5 a.m. is Shanghai versus Hangzhou with Seoul and New York being your encore. Friday games, uh, f- three games on Friday. So they pretty much shifted everything forward by one day. Uh, is going to be... That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Friday games is going to be Boston versus London. Then San Francisco versus Florida. And then Toronto versus Washington Justice. Uh, battle of the bottom, unfortunately, it seems for Boston versus London right now. You really, if you're London, you really, if you're either of these teams, you really got to have to get a win out of this. San Francisco versus Florida should be a really good game. Uh, I think that we'll see what San Francisco looks like after taking a week off, getting from a loss. And then Toronto versus Washington will be really good. I think it'll be a good like determination of where Toronto is because. There's some people who think that they are like a top contending team. There's some that think they should be a little bit more towards the bottom of mid table. I think we'll get a good idea after this game. Yeah, I think that these are good barometer games sort of to figure out where everything is. Like what was that San Francisco shock um, Houston outlaws game? Was that the two best teams and San Francisco just had a little bit of a bad day or is Florida for real? And this is going to be a good regular season test for that. And and it's going to be important for for seating for both San Francisco and Florida. So. Definitely very curious to see all of that going into this final week. And then same thing with the Toronto and Washington one. Where, where is Washington? Where is Toronto? Get a little bit of that figured out. I think Friday is going to be, be one of the most interesting days. And then Saturday morning, 2 a.m. Pacific time, Seoul Dynasty versus the L.A. Valiant. Guangzhou Charge versus the Hangzhou Spark. Shanghai versus New York, which that's going to be your encore game going back on at 9.30 a.m. And then rounding out the for sure games, the non-playing tournament games, we have Florida Mayhem versus Paris Eternal, London Spitfire versus the Toronto Defiant, and San Francisco Shock versus the Atlanta Reign. Uh, Atlanta has a little bit of, I don't know if I want to call it a rough schedule, but Atlanta is going to be, I think, happy if they can get if they can go one and three for May Melee. I think for a lot of people, you're happy if you can go one and three for May Melee. I think that'll get you in. There's a lot of team the 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 way that this is shaking out is like there's a very clear separation bef- between the teams at the top. There's very few teams in the middle right now, and then there's a lot of teams at the bottom. That's kind of how mm-hmm. it's feeling right now, which is kind of different from how we've seen it in years past, where you kind of had this blob of teams in the middle, and there's like a couple of teams that were above the blob, and then a couple of teams that were below the blob. So the 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 blob is a little different looking this year because it's two separations and then a couple teams in between it. So I I I think this week will will be a fun week to end it. But I think Friday's the the big day as far as games that you're going to really want to make sure you don't miss because I think the San Francisco Florida game and the Toronto and Washington game are the two best games from both regions for that matter too. I, I'm really curious for those games. The only people that are 100% locks are the Houston Outlaws, which are your, your number one seed in the West. It feels so good to say. <laughs> and then um, they're 4-0 with a plus 7 map differential. And then Philadelphia and Chengdu in the East. Philadelphia with 4-0, Chengdu with 3-1. and Everybody else um, is trying to get... So it's top four, if I remember correctly. Top four is locked into the tournament, and the bottom two are decided through play-ins, correct? I believe so. I believe that's what it is. But so, so the big thing here to look at, like Houston, obviously a lock to be in the tournament, but they don't necessarily have the number one seed locked up as of yet. No, they can be jumped by both Florida, Washington, 
all three Florida, Washington um, and Toronto can yeah. all jump them if they win both of their games and then get higher than plus seven for their map differential. Vancouver is 100% locked out. Uh, they're the only team that for sure can't qualify for a, for a main melee. Which is crazy. It's weird to think that we're going to have teams not even have a chance to qualify right now. Mm-hmm. It, it's um, It kind of sucks a little bit because I like having just the play-in games even with the teams that are at the bottom. But understandable as far as scheduling and everything like that you can't have everybody playing if you had to pick your top six for the west who do you think gets it if i'm picking my top six i guess like your may melee lineup you don't have to go order necessarily but like the six teams that make it to may melee so houston definitely san francisco uh washington florida toronto Dallas. I think Gladiators might be on the outside looking in. Um I they think only have a plus sense. two map differential. They're really tight. I mean, you have the playing games, which will be the bigger determining factor, right? So like they might still get in, I guess. Uh, because they're even well, I think you give it over to Dallas because Dallas beat the Gladiators mm-hmm. um in the regular season. So if it came down, if there's like a breaker like that, I think Dallas gets it over to them um, for the other side. This one's a lot easier. Uh, Philly, Chengdu, obviously yeah. Seoul, Shanghai, definitely. And then New York and Spark. I, I, I think the charge, I, I've been a little disappointed by the charge more than any of these other teams because I, I think they still have a pretty good roster. I think that there's still some pretty good talent on their team. So the fact that they've been uh, having a little bit of a rough go, so far it is the one that that is the biggest disappointment for me. Mm-hmm. I think when it gets down to tournament time, I don't as much as bullish as I would love to be on Houston. I don't see them beating Philadelphia or even Chengdu right now, maybe Chengdu, but I don't see them beating Philadelphia. I think this is, well, I, I would imagine Philly has a tournament locked up. The, the big thing here is that when you look at both sides, do you have a, like there's a clear difference in, um, in the, play style in place not just play, i wouldn't say play style but a difference in compositions that are sort of meta for both regions right You're, we're seeing a lot more of the wrecking ball we're seeing a lot more like dive centric stuff for most of the teams in apac and then you have philly who is kind of doing a bit of everything um like like we saw philly do do some some of the wrecking ball stuff but then they also did a little bit of some of the reinhardt they they yeah. had a good mix of kind of everything um, they they didn't favor the rush though. They definitely favor the dive compositions and the the ball compositions a little bit more. But like, you look at the West, who's playing wrecking ball really? Like nobody. Like it's Not almost really. n- it's almost necessary on most maps for the East. So I, I I think that's the bigger question that I'm going to have is like one after these first couple of weeks. How much do teams look at the other regions and be like, let's try this and see if it works for us? And like what what ends up mattering once we have the crossover of the regions play each other? For sure. I'm excited to go into it once we get into the actual May Melee tournament itself. But that's going to do it, I think, for most of our episode. I think the one thing we have to talk about um, and we're not a general Overwatch podcast, but I think the one 
piece of news that's inescapable about Overwatch right now is that Jeff Kaplan has left Blizzard as of, I think, Tuesday this week, maybe Monday this week. It was on 420. Um, yeah, it was Tuesday. It It's a rough piece of news. Um, you and I have talked about it a lot. Um, it's. I I can't a hundred percent define how I feel about it. it yeah. Part of me want part of me wants to say, you know what, Jeff would not have left Overwatch if he didn't feel comfortable. If if he didn't feel comfortable with where things were going and didn't have faith in the people that were doing it. And the faith thing is a separate issue. I like I I don't have any I don't think he doesn't have faith. But I think that he wouldn't leave it unless he felt in the right spot leaving it. But you and I have talked about he's posted um he posted a very sweet statement on um the Overwatch Reddit talking about um, being grateful to both the R Overwatch and the R competitive Overwatch subreddits um, for how much they've loved the game and how um, much they've made his job better. Um, and he included the phrase, um, what was it? I think it was either be good or take care of the Overwatch team. They need you right now. Yeah. Which like part of me wants to be like, oh, he's being sweet. Like, oh, like they need your help. Like, And part of me is like, that sounds like really bad. <laughs> yeah. It, it, like he, he clarifies later uh, by upvoting like, one of the upvotes being like he's not saying that things are on fire he's just saying take care of them because he's not going to be there anymore sort of a thing when but the way he worded it it was like things are rough please take care of them everything is on fire please god let us get through the week or you know that's kind of the way that it was this is this is one of the things always with text is it's sometimes hard to read um intent or or um urgency or you know to read um, how they're delivering something. So <laughs> it had a lot of people a little freaked out for sure. Forget my language too. It is absolute bullshit that we didn't get at least a video from Jeff. And I don't mean that from him. Like I, I'm not mad at Jeff for not giving a video, but like it felt like just to be like a small text, like we were like, we're going to say, we're saying goodbye to Jeff Kaplan right and welcoming on Aaron. Right like these are worth two. It's worth two posts. At least it's worth at least a video like Jeff Kaplan has a very different relationship with Overwatch fans than most developers or game like people who lead games do with their audiences. Well, if you think about it, just forget about any of that, like just just from the the part of, hey, the the guy who is the face of Blizzard more so than the guy who's the president the guy mm-hmm. who's the vice president has just left the company. How are you sending him off? What sort of message are you going to send by how you send him off? Right? L- like these are all things that you have to you, you I'm a little surprised that Blizzard maybe didn't do a little bit more with how they did it, right? Side well, and side note, when you and I watched BlizzCon, 90% of the comments on Twitch were all like, Where's Jeff? When's Jeff coming on? Where's Jeff? Like, no one cares about J. Allen Brack. Like, it's all about Jeff that that's exactly you, you your largest your large your largest personality the most important person the the biggest thing that your blizzard entertainment tweet twitter had was a retweet of the 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 overwatch tweet right mm-hmm. like that's it it's that's not very good it's not good it's not a good sign um and people who are like people are going to be upset for a while they <laughs> There are going to be people afraid of whatever's happening, right? Yeah. 
it didn't make me feel any more confident about Overwatch or Activision Blizzard right now. Uh, I think people immediately went into the idea like, well, Jeff might have been like, what causes Jeff to leave? And I think that it's easy to draw the narrative that and granted, it's easy to hate on Activision Blizzard. I don't fault people for doing it, uh, but there is already a community perspective like, well, they're going in a direction that he didn't like and he couldn't stand it for it anymore. So he bailed. It's possible. Well, bail, bailed's the wrong word, but like, but he decided to leave. I mean, the the other thing to to consider, like, I can definitely see that as being the reason why we don't know, right? But the the yeah. other side of this could be that he saw something that was more appealing to him. A lot yeah. of there's a lot of speculation that maybe he's going to uh, never Dreamhaven, which Dream, is the Mike Morheim's uh, new studio, the studio that he started after he left Blizzard. So. Yeah that's where a lot of people believe that he's going to go. But I think everything's sort of on the table. You talk, you're talking about as far as like a known developer, like a personality and, and somebody who has, as far as a track record for video Mm -hmm. games, like this man has reign of chaos as his first game credit, then world of Warcraft, the original followed by the next two burning crusade. And then, uh, the Lich King. So, he was a part of World of Warcraft from its inception to its highest point, a large part of, of the development team for that. Then goes on to Titan, which, yeah, doesn't happen, but turns into Overwatch, which has been, as far as new IPs go, the best thing that we've seen come out from Blizzard in a long time. And the only new IP, too. But still, yeah, it was such a, a huge thing that they were able to do with overwatch, the community, the amount of game number of people that have bought the game overwatch. I mean, what 50 million copies or something sold worldwide. Incredible. He was the, the head of that, that made that happen. So you can't take those things away from Jeff. He is one of, if not the most desirable developer out on the market. So he Mm. could go, he can, he can literally go anywhere. He could go to rockstar. He can go, it doesn't matter the company. If they want Jeff Kaplan, the blank check is going to be coming out to get him, but he is that valuable of a person. I think anybody should sort of think that way, right? We were talking with Jaw as well that I think there's a pot. So we often talk about where things are headed with Activision Blizzard. And we know that part of the, part of the complaint that people have had with Blizzard is that Blizzard is extremely slow with how they do a lot of things, with how they develop a lot of things. Um, it, we, <laughs> there's a reason why it's like, there has been such a content drought for overwatch. Aside from that, like there was a reason why they hadn't had a ton of new releases before this last world of Warcraft expansion. Like, and we've talked about there's possibility, there's a possibility Activision Blizzard is kind of putting the screws to Blizzard specifically and trying to get them to actually hurry up and get stuff done. I really don't want a, a rushed overwatch, but I'm, I'm very interested to see what the actual effects and fallout will be. Um, thanks, Bob. I see you in the chat. Um, I'm interested to see what the fallout of this is going to be. Cause maybe this changes how overwatch actually comes out. Maybe we actually finally get it as a games as service thing. Maybe they completely change how the game works. Uh, I really wonder. I think the big thing we everybody can agree on is that we are going to miss the absolute crap out of Jeff. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I think that if there's one thing that you say, it's like Jeff, anytime anybody I know that has met him, he's a great guy, great 
great person to be around a, a nice guy like funny too i think of when fran was at blizzard and was doing you know how they had a bunch of the um of streamers come in and kind of play games and then they would talk to to jeff and then jeff gets in on the meme about her birthday and brings her a birthday cake and stuff like like he was just he was a funny guy he was a guy who was a very visible person and and was okay with taking the flack from the community right like mm-hmm. he he was a very um he insulated his team a lot right like cuz he took a, the brunt of whatever would come from the community as far as um backlash of sort i mean yeah. and it's not really backlash but feed negative feedback right yeah. like like there's people who get overly um overly passionate about overwatch or just any games in general but overwatch of course has that certain sect that we all know of and he was a guy who sort of handled things head on and was the if there was somebody who was the brunt of what what people would talk about it was jeff even though he was pop jeff so you kind of miss that and i don't know if you're going to have you're just not going to have somebody who's as charismatic as jeff kaplan it's just not going to happen I'm sure Aaron, the new guy, will do fine. He'll do I'm fine. I'm sure he'll do great, but he's not Jeff, and there's a different... Re- there, and that's and okay, too. Yeah. That's yes. the other thing. You don't need to be Jeff Kaplan. Just be you. Don't try to be Jeff. That's the other thing, too. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but one of the things I always hate is, like, somebody comes in to replace somebody in a role or something like that, or or take their spot in a company... And then they try to be that person instead of being themselves. And then it never works out because you can't be that person. You just can't just ask Kobe. Uh, gosh, darn it. You can't ask Kobe, but Kobe tried to be Jordan. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> Kobe tried to be Jordan, but no, he was just trying to be Kobe and he just wanted to, to be as much of a person like Jordan as he could. Right. At any rate, we're going to miss the crap out of Jeff. We wish him success in whatever he does next. Um, on that note though, it is time for us to wrap up episode 100 of push the point. Thank you so much for being here, everybody for all 100 episodes. However many you've been here. Thanks to Bob who's in the chat. Hey, Bobby. Uh, we appreciate the crap out of you guys. If you want to help us out, there's a couple things you could do. The best thing to do is to leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice. We read every review live out on the show, uh, even if it's just complaining about my ranked gameplay, because I've gotten a couple of those in our reviews, which is a very weird place to put them. Uh, But there's some other places you can go if you want to help us out. Yeah, go to the Discord and join us in the community for Mash Those Buttons, which you can do so by going to discord.me slash mash those buttons. It keeps you up to date with all of your favorite shows from the network, a few of which you get to hear about right after this. Bob, who's in chat, you can hear about Warcraft Reloaded, his awesome podcast about WoW Classic. So be sure to check all of those other podcasts out. And a few, again, you're going to hear right after ours is done. Quick shout out really quick uh, to... L, L the Hulk L from the Dropping Spicy community and for Kurabara, my boy, for actually, I have finally gotten a video card. I'm finishing the build tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you guys for helping me out. I've been looking for a card for a couple of months and the Dropping Spicy community came through and helped me out. Yeah, mash those buttons. It has an awesome community and so do all of the podcasts that we're part of. I mean, now he's, Ramsey's is finally going to have himself a computer and, and you know, uh, hopefully a better internet connection because he's got an actual um we're connected cord. to the ethernet finally right baby. finally an ethernet cord which makes a big difference uh, 
if you want to monetarily support the network, by the way, you can do that. Patreon.com slash smash those buttons where is where you can do that. A little as a dollar a month gets you access to Patreon exclusive content. And all the money, of course, goes to making the network possible. There's a, a lot more of a cost to this than people realize. So any of that money and all of that money all gets used for that. And as far as I'm concerned, Jaw deserves every single dollar for that to get things running. So please, please, if you can support us on the Patreon and of course, support the show that we do as well by going to Twitter and going to at pushpoint POD and uh, tweeting, following us and seeing polls and whatever else we're going to do there. Yes, sir. If you want to follow Labasco specifically, you can go to his very easily named uh, Twitter handle at Labasco. It's just my last name. I've been on Twitter too long, so I got it since the beginning. And you can find me on Twitter at Ramsey's underscore OW. You can find me talking about sad boy 2008 things. Apparently scene cor- scene stuff is coming back. So oh no. Uh, I don't have the hair. I don't have the hair for it. I'm not going to wear skinny jeans again. Unfortunately, I've grown out of that phase, but I'm, I'm excited at least that just the, the neon is coming back, but that's going to be it for us on episode 100 of push the point. Thank you guys so much for being here. It, it has been a blessing and a joy to be part of this. And we're excited to see where stuff continues to go. Thanks Bob for doing the narrations and we will see you guys next week. Be safe. Take care of yourself and everybody around you. Have a good one. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 